Amen. Well, everybody will be happy over there. I don't know how happy they're going to be right now and here in a minute, but amen and be happy over there. Bless the Lord, there's a better day of coming. Every time I think about songs about heaven and stuff like that, uh, you know, I just got things the other day, of course, the man of God's going on to be with the Lord, Brother Sammy Allen, and uh, I look forward to the day, and then we'll just walk in the door and one more time say hello, preacher, and uh, shake hands with him, and uh, we've got loved ones over there. I've got a grandmother over there. Uh, I, I thought I almost said this the other night, and uh, you know, it may have been the Lord's will, may not have been. I, I wasn't sure. That's why I didn't say it, but I know there were some heavy hearts here the other night, uh, and people were coming to pray about their loved ones, and, uh, and I know some of the stories about uh, you know, maybe a, a wayward child or things of that nature, and uh, just some heavy hearts about praying about somebody getting saved and getting right with God. And I just want to tell you this, this evening, this afternoon, don't, don't give up hope. Uh, my grandmother died in 1988. I got saved in 1997. And my grandmother prayed me into the kingdom of God. And so, uh, Mama, I'll just keep right on praying. Mama, keep right on, keep right on praying. The devil just about convinced you that it's not doing you any good. And uh, he's a liar. He's bad to lie. And, uh, you know, uh, before I got saved, people say, well, we thought you'd went too far. But I'm glad God keeps all the tears in a bottle. And uh, he keeps records. And uh, he knows every prayer that you prayed. And God can work. And God still answers prayer. And so I look forward to seeing my grandmother. And uh, she was old-fashioned. She was old-fashioned. She'd take her teeth out and testify and put them back in. And, uh, amen, if you're looking for false teeth and and crutches and walkers and wheelchairs, there'll be a bunch of them right outside the heaven's gates, amen. Praise God, there's a better place where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain, no more worry, and I'm thankful for that. Well, uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 15, 1 Samuel chapter number 15, and uh, Brother Brown, I don't know, you're either the prophet or whatever, because you said if you don't know what to preach, just preach about Saul, and so that's what I'm going to preach about. Uh, and that, I was, uh, this all I had in my Bible. And so when Brother uh, Simpson got up, he began to preach. And then Brother McBride, Brother Fleur. And, uh, you know, you can't go by signs and stuff like that all the time. But this is all I got. So uh, I'm going to preach uh, this today. First Samuel chapter number 15. And I'm just glad that you're here uh, this afternoon. Amen. Well, if you get the dozing off, just reach over and pop yourself real good. And if that don't work, you just slap a person next to you. Because I guarantee if you do that, they'll wake you up. I promise you that. First Samuel chapter 15, let's stand and read the word of the Lord together. I've got some of you right now. Y'all kind of, we're going to have to get you on some oxygen. I know you've ate and everything's comfortable in here. And so uh, I'll try to, try to keep you awake. If you fall asleep, it'll be my fault, not yours. First Samuel chapter number 15. Now, Bible said in verse number one, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over all, over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that when, uh, which Amalek did do, did do to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. He said, take care of everybody. Verse 6, and Saul 
said unto the Kenites, Go, depart. Get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Verse 7, Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and will not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Verse 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I've performed the commandment of the Lord. So he said, I've done everything God had me to do. Verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep, of the oxen, to the sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Thank you. You can be seated. I do appreciate you standing. Now, we do know, we've studied our Bible, that uh, Amalek was the grandson of Jacob's brother Esau. And Exodus chapter 17 tells us about the crossing of the Red Sea and how the Amalekites uh, attacked the people of Israel, preying on the weak and the stragglers. And that's, that's the way the adversary does, obviously. And, and I want to say something. You know, you read these kind of texts and people ask, well, will God ask us to uh, fight such a war of judgment? And we got to remember in the Old Testament, obviously, it's a narrative. It, it tells you what happened in the text. And in the New Testament, we know that God does completely call us in a, to a different ministry uh, than Israel under the uh, Old Covenant. But God no longer calls his people uh, to take up arms as instruments of judgment. But I will say this, uh, that it does not mean that God has stopped judging people for disobedience. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse 25 said, But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect to persons. Now I know this, that nobody wants to be hated, and uh, nobody in their right mind wants to suffer, and, and it'd be a whole lot easier for us just to kind of coast the rest of the way and kind of take it easy and maybe not be so serious and dogmatic about serving God. Maybe to 
bend a little bit and not, not be so closed-minded about some things that we are facing in our culture. And I'll say this, Saul was a very capable man. He was a communicator, uh, but uh, God's judgment was not upon them. Uh, and uh, so he did not want to destroy these Amalekites at this time. So what he did is, or uh, what he didn't do, I probably should say, is what a lot of people are doing today and what I've seen. And I want to preach a little bit this afternoon on the consequences of compromise. The consequences of compromise. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to look weird. I mean, I look weird, I guess, today, but I don't want to look weird, and, and I don't want to be labeled as radical because of, of what I believe. And I, I was talking about somebody the other day and there in the church and and uh, and I appreciate the fact of new converts in the church. We got some of them here today uh, that when they came they didn't know a lot about the Bible. Some of them came out of Catholicism and they really didn't know a lot about the Word of God. And, and then we've got people that are there and they're like, man, the first time that I came to this church I thought you people were nuts. And they probably still some of y'all think some of that, that these people are crazy. These people are nuts. Well, if we're nuts, we're facing down to the right bolt. Amen? And so they thought, and those very people now are in there with us, and I, I thank God for that, amen? But I thought about this. God's going to tell on everybody in this building before we get out of here, God is going to tell on us, and he's going to tell if you really got the goods or not. God's going to tell everybody, and you know, uh, we're going to look at this, and, and, and I thank God for a preacher. I, I mentioned a preacher, but he never changed, and he finished well, and I'll say this. One of the things that Facebook has done, and I know we're Facebook Live, uh, sometimes feel like Facebook dead, but I, I know we're on Facebook Live, so hello world. You'll have to get the widescreen out back there. I know I know we're on Facebook Live, but one thing Facebook has done is it's exposed people who really never believed what they said they believed, amen? And, and listen, it's exposed hypocrisies, and now it's out there for everybody to see. You don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to think about what they are, and it's not by what they preach, but it is what they practice. I've heard people say, well, I, I'm old-time religion. I believe in old time religion. Well how old is your old time religion? Amen? Our old time religion should go back to the Bible and that's where our old time religion should originate from because talk is cheap. And they say well I believe in old time religion brother Randy. I believe just like we used to believe in the old days. Well I'll ask this question. What is this bleeding of the sheep uh, that we're hearing? What's this strange sound coming from the pulpit? What is these strange sounds coming out of the sound system? Uh, who is this person declaring me that I need to be right with God when they've got two living wives. Amen. Now, I, I want to I I tell, tell me what the Bible says, all right? I mean, what does that mean if it, do, if it don't mean, if it don't mean that, what does it mean? Now, I'm not talking about pastoring another man's church, but I'm talking about lying hypocrites, amen? And I'm not taking shots of nobody. I'm just preaching today. Uh, but I'll say this, you know, uh, you, you, you show me somebody, they'll say one thing one place, and they'll say something somewhere else. The internet done told on somebody. Number one, it's told on people don't study their Bible. It's still somebody else's messages. Number two, hey, when you say something over there, when you go to a church, Church, and you go to this church and you believe one, two, three, repeat after me, four, five, six, I sure hope he sticks, seven, eight, nine, I can't find. And then you go somewhere else, you talk about repentance and you talk about conviction. Uh, something's wrong somewhere, friend. God done told on you and Jesus gonna get you for life. Amen, that's just the truth. 
Why is these individuals still in a position when they're disqualified from the position? Now I want to look in the Bible and I know this is very strange uh, for to preach on a Thursday afternoon of a jubilee but the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter number 3 verse 1 this is a true saying if a man desireth the office of a bishop he desireth the good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant, sober, good behavior given to hospitality, apt to teach not given to wine, no striker, not guilty, guilty of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest to be lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Now I'll tell you this, you don't need a Greek, you don't need a Greek theology degree, and you don't have to have a degree from somewhere how to figure out what you got better sense to know. You know that don't mean one at a time. Amen. I mean, you you know that that don't that don't mean well two living wives. You know that ain't talking about polygamy. Amen. One is one, and that's what one is. Amen. I mean, people say, well, you know, Brother Randy, they can they can preach, but they can't pastor. Well, read your Bible in the book of Acts, chapter number one, verse twenty. Uh, Judas says, "Carrot is called." He said, "Let his man another bishop take." He's called a bishop. That's Strong's number nineteen eighty five, which is from Strong's num- number nineteen eighty four, which is the word bishop in First Timothy chapter number three. If you didn't get all that, you need to get all that. Amen. That's what Jim said. Show me a church that Judas Iscariot ever pastored, but the Bible called him a bishop. All right, there's some, these are not, you say, well, Brother Randy, you think somebody get forgiveness? I think somebody can get forgiveness. Thank God for it, amen? But the qualifications of a bishop are not for God, they're for the people. Amen? And I'm just telling you, what is this bleeding of the sheep that I'm hearing? I tell you what, we need a revival of people just believe the Bible and not my preferences. And somebody already mentioned this. Well, I'm not condemned by this and I'm not condemned by that. Uh, Well, listen, no matter if you're condemned by it or not, if the Word of God says it, then that's what we we need to get back to believing the Bible. There used to be a day where somebody got up and just preached the Bible and people didn't get mad and bent up out of shape and take their bat and ball and go somewhere else and go to somebody else's camp meeting, amen? I mean, I'm just telling you, we have got to this place where we have compromised and it is costing us. I'm telling you, we, I have watched it happen in my 23 short years of people, I mean, just being around folk and seeing God do a work in their life and seeing God save people and move and then they get to listen to the wrong person and they get to entertaining themselves with the wrong people and hanging around the wrong folk and now they're getting off. I'm telling you, we got young people that we're, they're watching us. We got young people that are counting on us to not compromise, amen. And there are some consequences of compromise by way of introduction, amen. <laughs> As Brother McBride said, by way of introduction. I'll say this, four times Balaam tried to curse the people, but God wouldn't let him in Numbers 22, 23, and 24 because God had already declared a blessing. So here's what Balaam said. He said, Lord, he said I'll tell you how you're going to get them. He said, I'll tell you how you're going to get them, Mr. Moabite King. Just seduce Israelites and tell them to come and yoke up with your women because here's what's going to happen. God will have to 
to judge them because he said in his word he's going to do it. And so what happened here is they turned the people away from God because he knew that God would judge disobedience. I'm telling you, there's nobody in this building going to get by with it. And why are churches, why are Christians compromising? Why are they going away from sound Bible doctrine? I mean, the reason it is is because I believe people want to yoke up with everybody. I'm going to say this. I can't hold hands with somebody that's not qualified. I, I love them. I appreciate them. I'm not mad at them. I ain't mad at you. And if you're here today and you've gone through this, if you're divorced and remarried, I'm not mad at you. I mean, listen, we got great men in the church and some of them have gone through the very same thing. I'm not mad at them. But they know that they cannot. There's some things that they cannot do. And one of that is hold the office of a bishop. Amen. I didn't write the Bible, but that is the truth. I mean, some of the best men I've got that's like that. I mean, you know, they'll stand up for the preacher and I thank God for them. But they understand what the Bible said. You say, Brother Randy, people don't know better. That's what your preacher's for. The preacher is to tell them better and to tell them what the Bible says. And so we're in a situation now where everybody wants to compromise. Romans 16 and verse 17. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines you have learned and avoid them. Now Paul didn't say, Well, now everybody's got a little bit of the truth and, and you can't be so dogmatic about everybody and unity is more important than anything else. Let's not be so divisive about things. Let's that kind of avoid these issues and tiptoe around this thing. Our problem right now, we've tiptoed and we got somebody wouldn't holler so if the hogs got after them. We've tiptoed around. We just about lost a generation. Hey, listen, I know we probably have our problems and we got our issues and one of them's pride, but I'm telling you the Bible's still right and the Bible's still true and there is no place to compromise in the day and age in which we live. Amen. I mean, listen, Paul's saying, he said, if you're a profession Christian and you persist to depart from the doctrine that's found in the word of God that the apostles taught, he said, I can't hang out with you no more. I ain't mad with you. Amen, I'm really not. If you want to buy me a Frosty from Wendy's, I, praise God, I'll eat one with you, all right? But I'm telling you this right now, I'm not going to yoke up and I'm not going to meet. Hey, God help a man that needs meetings that bad. All right, hallelujah, <laughs> I believe this. I believe not all pastors in modern churches are lost, but I do know they are wrong. Maybe, maybe it's a sincere desire to maybe uh, win the widest possible audience. I know that, and they invite liberal theologians in there. I, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. The other day Tim Tebow shows up at Concord Baptist Church, it's because I'm dead and they've got somebody else in there, Amen. There ain't nobody going to be, there ain't nobody that's going to be a model for jockey coming and preaching at Concord Baptist Church. You mark that down, amen. Amen. Hey, oh, let anybody preach, let anybody sing, let anybody teach. Amen. That's what's put us in the shape that we're in today because it leaves an impression that there is no difference. It leaves the impression that, well, you know, everybody's going to the same place. Everybody all ain't going to the same place. And we all ain't headed to the happy hunting grounds, Amen. They've redefined Jesus. They said, well, you know, they picture Jesus as some hot skinny jean wearing a feminine limp wristed, something or another. I tell you what, the Bible called they was a man sent from God whose name was John, amen? Not some effeminate something, amen? He looked like a man. He preached like a man. Thank God for a man of God, hallelujah. Amen. 
I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about getting on a hobby horse. I've heard everything preached against uh, colored shirts, open-toed shoes. I've heard bald-headed preachers preach against hairspray. I've heard it all preached against. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something right now. We need to get back to some old line, sin-killing, devil-hating. I mean, I'm talking about white knuckle. Get you shook up, preacher. Amen. I'm just telling you. That's where we're at. People say, well, now, Jesus never said that in my Bible. I'm like, you're right. Jesus didn't say that in your Bible. But he said it in my King James Bible. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, you think about what if we use the method of Jesus in our preaching. Oh, wouldn't that go over real good? You know what Jesus did in John chapter number two? He whipped him up a message. He did. In John chapter number two, that's what he said. Now they were made, they made the house of God a house of merchandise. And here's what Jesus said. He's over here now. Now you, I'm illustrating right here. You'll have to follow me, Mr. Cameraman. Uh, but I'm illustrating Jesus is over here and he's making a whip. Now if you'll look at me, I'm a making a whip right now. I don't know how you make it, but Jesus is over there whipping him up a message. Now that's what the Bible said. He made a whip. Look at it. It's in there. And he made a whip. And so he's whipping him up a message over here. And these people, Jesus, he's saying y'all better get right now and he's whipping him up a bit y'all better get right they still wasn't getting right he finally got the whip made and he went over there and cracked the whip and drove them out of the house of God with a whip yeah. amen I mean it ain't got that bad around here <laughs> but I tell you what Jesus did people say y'all preach like the Lord y'all to preach like Jesus preached well Matthew chapter number 15 how much time do I got uh, chapter number 15 to verse 4. He said, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. He that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it's a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition, ye hypocrites. Well, did his eye prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching of the doctrines and commandments of men. I've heard people say, Well, you know what? That modest the peril stuff. All that is is a tradition of man. All that is y'all just got hung up in this tradition. I tell you what, that ain't tradition. That's in the Bible, amen. That women adorn themselves in modest apparel. That's not man's idea. God came up with that. You say, what up, well, Brother Randy, are you, oh no, I ain't mad at nobody. I, I tell you what, I, I'm going to say something. If you don't have, if you've got a pretty good community to draw from, I'm not talking about somebody pastoring back in a hall or somewhere, but if you've got a pretty good sized community uh, that's, in your, that's in your community, you've got a pretty good crowd of people to draw from, there ought to be somebody in your house that might come in with a pair of pants on. You probably ought to have somebody with a tattoo singing in your choir. I know people get mad. They get upset. Somebody said, well, you're going to baptize her? She's got a tattoo. I said, what do you mean? Am I going to? Why well, sure we're going to baptize her, amen? I'm not trying to bring up nothing bad, and I'm, but I'm just saying this, friend. There's some things that are right, and that's why we got this gender thing going on right now. You can't tell a difference between a boy and a girl right now because we're trying to be gender neutral. Hey, my neighbor, they just had a child, and they got blue balloons outside on that mailbox. That means that there's a baby boy on the inside of that house. It wasn't gray balloons. If it's pink, it'd been a girl. If it's blue, it'd been a boy and that's the way it ought to be you ought to be able to tell a difference between a man and a woman but you can't do it no more 
because we've tried to say, well, ain't you got nothing deeper than that? Well, I'll say this, it's just as inspired as John 3, 16, amen? I mean, listen, we've redefined the songs. I ain't even got to the message yet. We've redefined the songs, a faulty theology. Brother Piercy was here the other day, and they said, Brother Piercy wants you to write some songs. Well, he wrote some songs, and he submitted them, and they said, well, Brother Piercy, they're just too churchy. Those songs are not going to go on. They're just a little too churchy. Right now, we got a lot of our quote-unquote gospel music that Joe Biden, Joe Biden could get up to the podium and I mean he could give his message and he could give his speech up there at the podium with some of that music playing in the background. Amen. Praise God. I wish somebody somehow, somewhere uh, that they could infiltrate that sound system uh, when he come waddling out there and Archie Watkins cut loose and steal the blood. That's say, I mean, it'd shake everybody up. I tell you what's happening right now. Thank God I still like there's a fountain filled with blood uh, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Hallelujah. Amen. We're in that situation right now where everybody's compromising and I don't want us to do it. Hey man, I know there's probably people in here that you wouldn't do it like we do at our place and I wouldn't do it like you do at your place, but I'm telling you, we gotta have somebody to stand on the word of God. Verse number nine, Saul was selective in his obedience. You know, here's what he said. He said, well now, I know what the Lord said, but... Yeah, I know what he said, but, but you know what's right for you is, may not be right for me. I know the Bible talks about things that are expedient, but I'm telling you what's right is right. It's not what's right for you, it's what's right. It's what's right is right. And partial obedience is complete disobedience. And he disobeyed God in two ways. He spared the good and destroyed the worthless. And what was not worth carrying off, he destroyed, not because of the commandment, but to save trouble. I tell you, it's a whole lot easier to save the trouble. It's a whole lot easier just to avoid things. It's a whole lot easier just to turn a blind eye to something. It's a whole lot easier just to over and over again just kind of look the other way, act like, act like it's not happening. I'm gonna tell you what, if you'll weed eat every once in a while, you won't have to bush hog at your church. Amen? Right. I'm telling you this. They want humor, and I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not against having a good time. I listen to Jerry Clower. Oh, hey, y'all, y'all, I hope y'all don't think that's bad. I mean, I hope it ain't bad. Uh, you know, listen to Jerry Clower, drink a little coffee. I hope that ain't too bad uh, for you. Uh, but I'll tell you this right now, it's all about entertainment, and they want to make everybody feel safe and secure, and they still want everybody to make feel good about themselves. Thank God for the preaching. Some of we've heard, it's made me feel bad about myself. Because I'm rotten to the core and I need somebody to get in that pulpit and tell me how to get right with God and tell me how I can get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, hey, if you're here today and you're not right with God, I don't want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel welcome. Everybody in our church, you ought to feel welcome, but you ought not feel comfortable if you're not right with God, amen? I tell you, it's a whole lot easier just don't deal with it. Just don't, don't mess with it, <laughs> Amen? People say they don't know no better. Well, that's what your preacher's for. That's what you're for. You go in there and you tell them 
what the Bible says about certain situations that they're living in. Second Peter chapter three, verse 17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And here's what happened. The consequences is the people saw what Saul did, so they become selective in their obedience. You say, why is that? Because Saul was self-willed and here's what happened. Then the people became that way. If you want a people that's in your church, it's just all self. And if they don't get their way and if they don't get what they want and if they don't get to pick this out and pick this out and pick this out, they'll get mad and upset and it all starts with the leadership. I tell you, I don't, I don't blame a lot of people and I don't blame a lot of young people. I blame the mamas and the daddies. You see young people, they get right with God. They go to summer camp, get saved by the grace of God. God does a work in their life. They come in and say, Mama, the rock and roll bridges is going. Uh, Daddy, we're getting rid of the CDs. Uh, uh, Justin Bieber's gone. Uh, we're getting rid of all that stuff. And Mama and Daddy said, Honey, why you just got excited. You just got, Mick, you just got excited. You just got stirred up, that same mom and daddy will take them out on Sunday and they'll run around the base pads and they'll play tournament ball all weekend long and they want them excited about that. Thank God I'd rather my children strike out trying to do something for Jesus than I would them hitting a home run for this world. Amen. That's what happened in the text. That's why unless you need as much church as you can get. I need as much preaching as I can get. You need as much truth as you can get. And it's all about self-gratification. It's all about self-exaltation. I'm telling you what, the worst thing you'll ever get is your way. Amen. Amen. That's what some people want to go to. I did it my way, Baptist. Amen. Why is that? Because self is never satisfied. Self is more self and more self and the more self gets and the more self wants. You say, why is that? Because these people died taking selfies. We live in a selfie Generation. You know them big old long, oh yeah. Oh yeah, they've gone off cliffs. Fell off cliffs. They, they're there and I'm not making fun of them. It's bad. But honey, when you hang it over, when you hang it over the Grand Canyon and you got one of them sticks that you, they cost you $50 if you're weight, you can get them there at the Ross or, or you know, something like that. You'll get them a whole lot cheaper. I don't have one, but that's what they tell me. And they'll hang that over a cliff and take a picture of themselves with a selfie with a $1,000 cell phone and them a teenager, 13-year-old with a $1,000 cell phone that mom and daddy works four or five jobs so they can have a $1,000 cell phone and take a selfie with, I'll ask you something, has it satisfied our teenagers? The answer is no. That's why we have a teenage suicide rate at a breakneck speed and we've got the most discontent generation that has ever been because they got everything that they want. Because we have a self-generated church. I bet you won't be entertained. Want somebody to pat on the back. I tell you what's going to get you through the confusion and the instability. You need something that'll last through the storm, amen. Uh, you'll need something that'll get you through the hard times. You need somebody that'll help you in these days. Luke chapter 7, verse 46. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show them who he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged 
deep and laid a foundation on the rock and when the flood arose the stream beat vehemently upon that house it could not shake it I'm telling you we're living in a shaky society God help us the church should be a place of stability what's the church for brother Andy well I mean a lot of things sinners be saved yes Missionaries sent out across the world, yes, all those things are good. But First Timothy three fifteen. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Amen. You can imagine they're pretty pleased with themselves, brother John. I think it was Brother Simpson this morning talked about the fact. Of, well, look how God's blessing me. Look how God's blessing my ministry. Look how God's blessing the church. Look how God, hey, God is not blessing disobedience. We've learned how to act it out. We've learned how to do it. I think there's a lot of preachers. They've went to a cemetery, I mean a seminary somewhere, and they've learned how to do their hands, and they've learned how to do all that. And I mean, they got more degrees than a North Pole thermometer. And can't, hey, I'm telling you, let me just be honest here. Some of them fellas can't preach their way out of a wet paper sack. Oh, Lord. Hey, man, I'm hunting for some water here. If you got a plow mule, hey, man. Praise God. Hey, man, I'm just telling you. Hallelujah. Hey, man, Concordians, I sure love you. I appreciate you. Thank God for you. Hey, man. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, man, we got our own section over there. We got, our, we got all our young girls over there. They dip snuff, and they over there hiding in the shadow. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man, my, my daughter there, honey, put that cup up. You don't want them noise. Hey, man, there ain't nothing wrong with having fun and being saved. But I'm telling you this, we need to get back. You know why? I'm telling you what, I would rather, you mark this down. Hey, go get the fellow that runs the best lie detector polygraph test in the world. Hook me up to it. Hook these men up to it. Before I'd compromise, I'd rather die. You say, why? Because I'm a 50-something-year-old man and I don't mind, I may not have a long time. Oh, but we got people in this church and we got, I got to have somebody some place where my grandbabies can go to church. Where does it stop? Where does it end? It don't end. It keeps going and going. We need to stop it right now. I tell you what you need to do. And I'm not talking about a bull in a china shop, but you need to go back to your church and say, sir, you're not, good. You're not a deacon anymore because you're not qualified. Uh, ma'am, listen, I tell you what you need to do. You need to sit down, ma'am. Uh, you need to find your place. Hey, that makes all I've ever seen. You preach, you know, well, well, you know, Brother Randy, I tell you what I do. I go to my job. Now, this is a woman talking with children. Well, you know, Brother Randy, I go, I go witness on my job, and I tell these people about I go down to the plant, and I'm the, I'm the secretary down there, and I go tell the people down there about the Bible. I'm like, ma'am, did you tell them that verse in there that says that the mothers should be keepers at home? Amen. Obedient to their own husband. That's still in the Bible. That's why we're lost a generation right now because we got daddies that won't hit a lick at a black snake. I sit around all day eating, eating peanut butter sandwiches watching reruns of Gilligan's Island. Mama's out there working. Mama's out there laboring and the daddy won't hit a lick at nothing. That's why we've got some boys. That's why we've got boys right now that can't keep a job tasting pies at a pie factory and we got a lot of boys now their heads square. I mean, they've looked at this right here in the Xbox, whatever that is. 
Praise God. You can tell I'm outdated. Praise God for it. Amen. I'm just telling you, winter days are compromise. Man, you blame God for your disobedience. I thought about this, Brother John. Book of Jonah, you know the only fellow that, that went to sleep on the boat was a man out of the will of God. Jonah ran from God. God said, here's what you do. Jonah ran from God and the storm hit the ship and the only person that was asleep on the boat was the man out of the will of God. He had money to pay his fare. He had the physicality to travel. He could even sleep. And he was out of the will of God. Quit blaming God for your disobedience. Stop it. We've got people that are watching. We've got young people that are watching. And I'm telling you, we need to get back to the Bible. All right, I'm, I'm trying to hurry right here. Amen. I'll tell you this. You know, they're pretty proud of themselves, no doubt. But verse number 11, I want you to look back in the text. Saul's disobedience hurt, hurt, uh, Saul's disobedience hurt the Lord. It hurt God. And I'm going to tell you a commitment to Christ is a commitment to truth. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11, he said, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. God said that. God said that. Verse number 12, I don't know what Saul was doing, but it took him a little while to get there. I guess he's making a monument for himself about how wonderful and how great that he is. Verse number 13, Samuel finally meets up with Saul. Look how Saul greets him. He says this in verse number 13, and Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? If you've done what God told you to do, then what's this racket I'm hearing? And here's what Saul, Saul didn't say. Well, now, you know, Saul, it's, uh, Samuel didn't say, now, Saul, it's all right. And you're not perfect, just forgiven. And to each his own. And, and judge not, lest you be judged. And, and we just love, and, and it's all good, and we're nice. I don't, know how nice. I don't know how nice you got. How nice can you be when you're preaching about sin? How nice can you be sin? Why, why sin's bad. Boy, I tell you what, the preacher really nailed it down, didn't he? He said, sin was bad. Sin, sin's bad. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired of getting phone calls from people who, Brother Randy, did you hear? Did you know? Did you hear about brother so-and-so? Did you hear about sister so-and-so? I'm telling you, I believe we as men of God and people of God, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to get behind your preacher. Hey, when he gets up and preaches, you ought to get behind him. You ought to say, amen, preacher. Thank you for preaching, trying to save my soul, save my house, save my family. Amen. Sometimes you're going to have to get negative, amen. It was good enough. For our fathers, good enough for our mothers, it's good enough for me. What are the consequences? What are the consequences? And I'm finished. We've got Samuel Freed here today. He'd probably testify to this, but Jewish history says some, somehow, some way, we know here that Agag had relationships with someone because Saul disobeyed. One man disobeyed what God said for him to do. One man in leadership disobeyed what God had told him to do. He made excuses for it. He tried to spiritualize it. I want you to go to the book of Esther. The book of Esther and I'm done. The book of Esther. Amen. That is in the word of God. Amen. The book of Esther. 
in chapter number three here. Esther, chapter number three, verse one. Esther, chapter number three and verse one. I love it when I hear those Bible pages turning, amen. He said, after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamathoth, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Jewish history says that it was a maidservant who Agag had relationships with and later gave birth to a son. Fast forward a few hundred years. The man that's given the people of God trouble in the book of Esther is this man by the name of Haman who is a direct descendant of Agag. Both Mordecai and Esther are descendants of Saul. Look at it. Because a forefather disobeyed God, didn't do what God told him to do, and he didn't deal with the issue. Mordecai and Esther, his descendants, had to face a man as a descendant of Agag. How big of a deal is that? And I know this, and I know God intervened and resulted in the tables getting turned and that the Jews were delivered and Haman and his ten sons were hanged in the gallows. I know that. But had he carried out God's instructions, we wouldn't have the issue that we have today. So what you talking about? Haman was slain and his ten sons. We don't say anything about a death sentence on Haman's daughters, uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, cousins. So that would allow Haman to have descendants. Do you know who's a direct descendant of Haman? They lived in ancient Persia after this. And now that region is called Iran. The nation of Israel has many, many enemies. The Prime Minister of Iran has called for the total annihilation of the Jewish people and has been a thorn in the side of God's chosen people for decade after decade after decade because one man, one man in leadership said, well, you know, I know what it says, but he's a good friend of mine. Or I know what it says, but he really is a good guy. Uh, or I know what it says, but you know, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm going to tell you what, some of y'all got saved because the man of God got up and hurt your feelings. And some of you got right with God because a man got up and hurt your feelings and didn't apologize for it. I'm going to tell you, please, I beg you, I beg you. Do not compromise That's right. because there's going to be consequences. Look, some of y'all in here are old enough to remember way back in the day. I mean, I'm talking about you remember way back in the day that some things would not be tolerated. Now it's commonplace in the house of God, and we've almost lost a generation. That's there's right. some consequences of compromise. Preachers asked me to give an invitation. All right. Let's everybody stand. But I tell you what, the toughest thing you'll ever do in your life is preach to people that you love, that you know it's going to get personal. And it's going to get practical. And it's going to get pointed. And I'm going to tell you what, what's going to happen is this, we're going to separate the proverbial men from the boys. Because some things I preach today is going to be called hate language. Hate speech, though it's the Bible, is still right. And you know it's right, sir. And you know it's right, ma'am.
for what you've done is you've made excuses. And I'm going to tell you what's happened. Some preachers have posted stuff on Facebook and some preachers have allowed their wives to do the same thing. You know what it's done? Hey, if I went around this room with our teenagers, made him lose confidence. Daddy, I thought he. Mama, I thought she. I wouldn't want it on my record. You're telling me a pair of pants. Or some kind of liberal thinking. Is it worth losing a generation? You're telling me a pair of shorts. Tell me that's worth being a stumbling block to a child. Maybe adult, maybe an adult could handle it. Maybe they can. We got people. Well, listen, whether we like it or not, we're living in a social media society. And we got people in here, 12, 13, 14 year old. I know they got their own Facebook page. I know they're in Instagram. I know they're on Twitter and stuff like that. And then they see pictures that you post, and it's a stumbling block. You gonna give an account for that, sir? Ma'am, you're gonna give an account for that. Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones, it'll be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck. That's what he said. 